0: Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. It's October 16th, 2014. This is On The Grid, episode 86. This week, we talked about abuse online, ways of solving the problem, and we make a big announcement. Here we go. Gentlemen, we have a big announcement today. Big announcement. We've been sitting on this one for a while.
1: Hold on. Hold on to your seats, listeners. Uh, we are joining the 5 by 5 Network. This has been a long time coming, but uh we're very excited to be joining our, our good friends over at the 5 by 5 which is a, a big step up for the show, right?
0: Yeah, I hope so. It means we'll be on their website. We'll be in their master feed, I guess. So, it means yeah. that we'll have a tiny little logo on our podcast artwork. What else does it mean, Andy?
1: Well, I mean, it may lead to some more listeners, possibly, through, you know, some in-network kind of uh, kind of talk, which is exciting. Uh, it's not going to change the show at all, if you're listening right now and you're worried. I mean, the show's going to remain the same. We may have some advertising now, which will be, you know, little spots we'll read, hopefully unintrusively.
0: It'll basically be exactly the same as the very few ad- ads we had before. I'm just yeah. going to do them exactly the same way.
1: Yeah, and that means we're going to make some money from it. A little bit of scratch, not much, uh, but enough that we can probably, you know... Not ever miss a week like we have done in the past. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit of, a little bit to justify continuing doing the show. Um, you know, we made it 85 episodes, really without making any money at all. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of exciting for us, and hopefully, we'll get some more listeners. I'm hoping we get some more people, maybe from outside of you know the graphic design, web design, you know, internety land. Uh, it could be interesting to maybe pull some people from other. Other kind of five by five shows, and it's very exciting. Uh, we're, we're excited, and I hope all the listeners are excited, and you know share share this with your with your Twitter feed. Help us uh, make a good impression on the five by five with our download numbers for this first episode. That would be a big
0: help. We're excited. We're excited about joining the network. We hope that it expands the listener base. But but more importantly, actually, I don't know what more importantly. That's why. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> I <think> that's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> I want important. people to
1: to like the show. Like we do it because we we saw there was something that we. There was something missing from the community that we wanted to exist, so we kind of just went and made it. So everybody's response thus far has been amazing. I am never, uh, every time I get recognized, the, the two times I've been recognized in public just by my voice, uh, I'm still shocked. Uh, so it, it's pretty amazing. I, I love that There's people out there that listen to the show regularly that are tweeting at us. Um, it means a lot that you people care about this same kind of shit that we care about. So thank you all. And uh, here's to the, the next great chapter, right? I think so. Cheers.
0: Being invited means we did something right, right? Yep, probably. Um, Actually, I will just say this. The things that will change is we're going to be forwarding our website. So our website is now going to be at 5x5. You don't have to worry about changing your feed. We'll handle all the redirecting so you can just keep subscribing to the same thing. But now 5x5 will generate it. And we still own the show. That's another important thing.
1: Yeah, they're not going to tell us what to do.
0: Maybe they will. I don't
1: know. I we're mean, they could try to. It wouldn't go over well if they told us what to do or say. So, yeah. So, yeah. Very exciting.
0: Also, we're going to become a Ruby on Rails podcast. Yeah.
1: Also, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just going to talk about <laughs> uh, the command line now, pretty much. Sweet command line tips.
0: We're going to become a tech podcast. Workflows. I, oh, should we mention the artwork? Anything about the I, the artwork that we've been working on for God knows how long?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess we've been trying to design new artwork forever. I mean, we talked a little bit about it when uh, we did that experiment with 99designs, at like least a month or two months ago. But yep. uh yeah, we still haven't decided what the artwork's gonna be, but I think we were all kind of settled on a change. So uh, we're, we're gonna post this stuff publicly, right, Matt? Is the whole idea?
0: Yeah, we were kinda waiting to post it publicly because they all have little five by five logos on the bottom and that kinda would have been a giveaway that we were on the network. Spoilers. <laughs> also, we've been on the homepage for for a little while now, so if you if you're a detective and you've been looking for it, you probably figured it out. There but, has
2: been a couple of people that have seen it and said something yeah. on Twitter, but not that many.
0: Anyway. But we will post them publicly. I don't know. I don't think we're necessarily doing it for feedback, but we are going to... Some people have asked, so...
1: Matt would like to emphasize that we do not care what you think. Don't bother telling us. <laughs> it's going to be ignored.
0: Well, here's uh, the thing. All I'm saying is it's not a contest. I am more than happy to receive feedback, but this is not a contest. We're wait, not taking votes.
1: It's not oh, just, it's not a contest. I thought we were competing it, neck and neck. We're at each other's throats. The winner gets $99.
0: <laughs> we're just going to post our, our process publicly I will post it to the top of the subreddit. I'll see if I can make a little sticky announcement about moving to five by five and the artwork. And check it out. See what you yeah. think. Yeah. So things are changing. I don't care what but you think. Think. we we love you and all. you think. I, I kind of care. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm interested
1: to hear what you think. Right. think. I'm not trying. Sure. I'm not going to like make any promises to change our actions based on your thoughts. But I'm curious to hear what what, what all everybody thinks. But uh, but yeah,
0: secretly I am too.
1: We uh, we love everybody. Kind of Thank you, cool. listeners. Big group hug. Big internet group hug.
0: Mm.
2: Andy actually is like hugging air right <laughs> yeah we see <laughs> his video feed and he's
0: <laughs> ah, he's yeah, hugging yeah. his mic
2: yeah you mm. know
0: mike you're, mike, you're so warm mike.
2: mikey
1: so there's something else that happened this week that i am so excited about did you guys see the news about the fusion reactor that lockheed martin skunkworks is working on wait no what oh talk about it so you guys know what fusion reactors are right yeah. I have a general idea. Yeah, I'm no rocket scientist. So, but. quick rundown. You know, like, current nuclear power plants that are, like, producing energy for people are all fission. So, we split atoms, is released, and we split them, and there's right. a bunch of radioactive waste that's also generated, which is why there's, you know, some problems with fission reactors. The other thing about fission reactors is all of the safety mechanisms in a fission reactor are designed to slow down the reaction because sort of left on its own, it would just kind of run out of control until the... Uh, you know, radioactive mass was no longer critical and makes a big mess. Um, so, th- for that reason, that's why I've had a few kind of disasters with nuclear power plants. So, fusion is kind of the opposite in some ways, and uh, it's instead of separating uh, atoms into their component uh, parts, you can combine component atoms or molecules to make a, a new atom. Uh, specifically, you combine two isotopes of hydrogen to make helium uh, through a process called fusion, and the result is also a tremendous amount of energy with none of the kind of bad side effects of fission. And this is something we've been able to do for a long time, but we've been able to do it only in such a way that the, we are putting more energy into the system than we're getting out of it. It takes an incredible amount of energy to fuse two atoms, correct? Yeah, like, so the, the hard part is containing the plasma that's created when you superheat and superpressurize the hydrogen isotopes. And containing that plasma requires a lot of energy currently in the form of an electromagnetic field. Um, And the Skunk Works at Lockheed Martin announced uh, this week that they have made a tremendous breakthrough in the technology that does the containment of this plasma. Um, So the result is that they believe in five years they will have a functioning 100 megawatt uh, prototype fusion generator that is about the size of a current jet engine, which is much, much smaller than our current fusion generators that we're building, uh, that is supposed to be theoretically way more efficient. And it's just like so exciting because, you know, Grow, growing up you know in the 90s and 2000s and just watching basically the whole world kind of go to the shit in many ways specifically the climate and stuff it's just like this is this beautiful light at the end of the tunnel that maybe we humans are actually not so bad after all and we can figure some stuff out with our brains <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, I told my i told my girlfriend i was like remember where you were when we talked about fusion generators because <laughs> this is going to be maybe the thing that like saves the fucking world like in a huge way and that yep. the size was like totally shocking like i i, I kind of expected uh before this news came out, that there'd be fusion generators during my lifetime, but I thought they would be, you know, perhaps enormous or that perhaps it'd be towards the end of my lifetime before we figured it out. Uh, So this is like earlier than I expected and all these other things about them being super small means incredible things for space travel and for bringing energy to uh, remote parts of the world that currently aren't, you know, very developed. Uh, It's like huge, amazing news. And the other thing is like, some people are like, oh, people have been saying this has been five years out for 30 years, but the Skunk Works is an amazing uh, group at Lockheed Martin that doesn't really have a bad track record of, like, announcing things before they're actually figured out. You know, these are the people behind the, the SR-71 and a bunch of other, like, stealth aircraft. and part of the reason I'm excited is because I had never even considered that a company like Lockheed like Martin would take this on. Like, I whenever I picture people working on Fusion or working on, like, the... The pie in the sky, save the world, scientific issues. I picture a bunch of like nerdy people that are you know having to plow their way through red tape and write academic papers along the way, and constantly fill out grant applications to keep their funding for their research. Uh, but Lockheed Martin is like an enormous company. It's funded by huge defense contracts, so they got this money pour, you know, pouring out of them, and they decided to invest a huge amount of their you know research and development into this thing, which certainly will also make probably horrific warplanes, but will also potentially like save the world's energy problems uh ahead of time or like in before i die i might i will get to see this happen it's oh i'm so excited
0: did you even mention that the takeaway is that this this is the is this actually the dream of it is actually putting out more energy than it's taking in it's that that point of efficiency oh way way it's
1: putting in yeah like it like what
0: like what kind of like i understand the concept of it but i have no idea the practical applications of this okay. right now so i he- mean well i understand that creating energy with less energy is obviously the goal but mm-hmm. like to what degree
1: okay so here, here's
0: a scale. scale yeah here's a scale for
1: you um so the the fuel for this is just these two isotopes of hydrogen it's a tritium and deuterium uh, i think i got that right um, so you
0: have like the most abundant thing in the planet you are not yeah, running out like, of that
1: like one of them you can just find in seawater uh, and one of them you can make very easily with uh, some other element that's readily available i can't remember what it is I and mean, then they're, they're very they're very readily available and yeah. also like the amount of energy released when just two atoms uh two molecules or atoms combine is insane it's enormous uh so like for example the fuel to run a generator that would run a city of i think i said uh 50 to one hundred thousand people for a whole year would weigh 50 pounds 50 pounds of hydrogen gas uh would power an entire city uh for for the year uh and that would be you know without a significant extra energy inputs like once you get it going it powers itso- powers itself uh and it's like super safe because if something goes wrong and you stop putting energy in it just shuts down there's, there's, and there's no radioactive isotopes that are left over it's just oh i can't i can't contain mics i actually couldn't sleep last night i was so excited about oh. the prospect for the future
0: so what are we always <sighs> have to talk about this part what are the downsides to this to the design solution to the invention what what's the part that's going to kill all of us in the future.
1: So honestly, like I don't think it has one of those. Or does
0: it just cost a billion
1: dollars to make one? So I, th- I think it's going to be very expensive. I think it's going to be very expensive. Obviously, at first it's going to be very expensive, but you know as technology gets better. Um, right now, the way it's going to work is it's going to heat this big sort of containment vessel, which is made of stainless steel, I think, with coated with something else, uh, and then that heat is going to be turned into energy through like normal old fashioned means of heat transduction into or heat uh, whatever into generators. Um, honestly I think it's just gonna be very expensive like theoretically this could be there's not really a big downside other than it costing a bazillion dollars to do it for the first couple of times till we get good at it but god it's amazing I, I I can so viscerally feel how silly all of humanity will look when I'm 70 and we look back on the fact that we just like dug up fucking old plant matter and dinosaurs and burned it to like power our lights and shit like that's gonna be so archaic It's you look back on like you know A hundred years ago, the kind of weird shit they did. You're like, why did everyone everything? That was a good idea. That is totally going to be the case with fossil fuels. And I am just, oh, (sighs) I really love it. You heard it here first. Go read about this thing. Go (laughs) read about this thing. Everybody listening. We're going to post a ton of links. I have a whole bunch of links. We will
0: import them on the site one by one. Fusion.
1: There is something I really want to talk about this week. Um, And it, it was kind of spurred it's something I've wanted to talk about for a while on the show but I felt kind of intimidated by the idea of talking about it um, but a couple tweets by Alan Tan, who is a designer of the New York Times I believe still um, really kind of spurred me to really want to talk about it um I'll start with the tweets he posted um, he said this was uh, October eighth so the middle of last week um, right before Brooklyn beta started uh, Brooklyn mm-hmm. beta was this big you know conference in Brooklyn I shouldn't say big it's fairly small but it's a uh, trafficked by a lot of the industry leaders, it's,
0: it's prominent. It's definitely prominent. Right? Yeah, a,
1: a lot of the big names in the web and in design kind of end
0: up. And it's sponsored Beta. by like everybody that sponsors anything design or web development mm-hmm, related, for sure. Yeah. um So, so Alan posted uh, the following following four tweets. He said, "Hey,
1: you know what would have been amazing the day Kathy Sierra posts that piece. Brooklyn Beta holds a debate on how to fix abuse online. Instead, what we got was 500 plus of the best and brightest people working on the web today debating about whether or not design is self expression." I'm ashamed to be part of this community. A little later on he said, oh, and just FYI, it's not about what I think about anybody on the panel. It's just about what we as a community decide to give time to. Um so the reason is so first I want to explain these things. In case you are listening, you don't know what Alan's talking about. The the piece by Kathy Sierra he's referencing is a, a blog post that uh that Kathy put on uh on her website kind of announcing the fact that she was leaving Twitter. Um for the second time she kind of left the internet entirely uh many years ago when she was kind of run off by by Weave one of the most notorious trolls who doxxed her personal information and made threats to her and kind of ruined her life in, in a lot of big ways um and she's leaving Twitter again for reasons we'll get into later but she posted a long piece kind of about her experience on the web dealing with trolls being harassed and uh you know that abuse is something that has been very important and uh and formative and formative for her um and then the uh the debate he's talking about about self-expression was a panel at Brooklyn Beta held by the Design Debaters, the Design Debate Society or Design Debate Club, or whatever, uh, that was right. talking about whether or not design was self-expression with, you know, six panelists. Um, so these things kind of came together in this confluence that that Alan kind of had this feeling about. And the reason I want to talk about it so badly is that you know, my my gut reaction is that I feel like there's room in the design community to still have those people talking about whether design self-expression in Brooklyn, you know, surrounded by industry, you know, leaders. But I want there to be another part of our community that does address the things that Alan's talking about. And that's what I want this show to be. Like, that's why, that's one of the reasons I wanted to start the show with you guys is because I wanted to talk about the things that were not the maybe shallow or uh, kind of more simple uh questions about our industry that are based on craft and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I, that's what I want to talk about this week. Um, and I, I kind of want to set the stage because since this has happened, uh, there's been a lot more shit that has have gone down right in the same vein. Um, so, I mean, just to sort of recap, Kathy was a software developer, um, a very prominent software developer. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, she was on the sort of lecture circuit. She was going and giving a lot of talks at various conferences and very well-renowned in her field. Um, She was run off the internet, as I said, by by Weave, uh, this horrible uh, Nazi troll, basically, um, who decided that she did not deserve all of the credit and uh, kind of good faith she had earned and, uh, you know, put all of her personal information online, endangered Kathy's family, endangered her kids. Uh, So, Kathy, a long time ago, before I was even aware she existed, left Twitter, left, it was poor. Twitter existed. She left the internet and kind of like went silent, uh, for her own safety and well being. And, uh, she came back to Twitter like a year or two years ago or something. And everyone was, was very excited. And I didn't know who she was. I did some reading about it when she came back and I've been following her since then. And, um, you know, she has to deal with a lot of shit. And recently, um, we've, uh, did some other things publicly and some people, uh, started kind of respecting him a little bit, uh, and beginning to question, whether or not uh, what happened to Kathy back in the day was you know as bad as it was and questioned some of the things and he kind of just spread misinformation about her and you know, long story short is that she was forced off Twitter again and decided that it's not for her uh, to deal with all this abuse and you can find out more about it from me in the letter which we'll put in the show notes um, and since since that happened um, Anita Sarkeesian, who I think we've talked about in the show at least briefly before uh, has sure. the great feminist frequency videos she uh, posts these amazing beautifully produced very cogent um, thoughtful videos, critiquing the um, the sort of role of women in video games uh, and sort of under the under the flag of gaming is a mass media kind of entertainment uh, property now. Everyone's involved. It's not just, you know, Cheetos covered nerds sweating in their basements. It's all sorts of people. And we have to get better about our portrayal of women in this medium specifically uh, because there's a bunch of people at the table now. Um, and she had a talk schedule at Utah State University Uh, That had to be canceled, unfortunately, because of some horrific threats that the university received. Um, Somebody sent an email, threatened to do do a mass shooting and kill all of the feminists that showed up to the talk. Um, They promised it would be the worst mass shooting in history, uh, or worst school shooting in history in the United States. Uh, And because the the Utah State University would not agree to check for firearms at the door, um, Anita decided to cancel the talk. Uh, and was kind of forced out of doing the thing that she does so well uh, because of these horrible threats. Um, and to put one more on top of that, um, Brianna <laughs> Wu, <laughs> this, is all, this is all in the last week and a half, people. Yeah, uh, Brianna Wu, who is now our podcasting uh, neighbor, she's on Isometric, which is also on the 5x5 network. Um, she <laughs> uh, shared a meme that one of the listeners of her podcast had created kind of poking fun at Gamergate on Twitter uh, wasn't even images she herself had created, or something else that someone had created that she thought was funny. She shared it, uh, and she began receiving death threats uh, and some very, very specific, very, very horrific death threats that also uh, publicly posted her address and uh, knew the name of her spouse and uh, basically threatened her family, and she was forced to leave her house for some amount of time in order to seek safety. Um, all of this happened in a week, everybody. Uh, this is how fucked up things are, uh, and I think that uh, Alan has a good point like as are we as designers and you know for the small amount of listeners we have to this show i'd like to think that we have some kind of role in helping direct conversation in the community i feel like this is something we should be talking about um yeah what what do you guys think
0: no i think we should i think like the examples we're using you know a lot of them i think the focus has been these are gamers on the internet and a lot of them a lot of the focus has been this is like the tech community on the internet But I think this is any – well, I think, one, this is anything any woman has to deal with on the internet. But I think more specifically, any woman who is creating anything and putting it out in the world um, is dealing with this uh, to some degree. Yeah. It's probably more specifically being covered on, like, video game journalism. But I think it covers – a group of designers debating at Brooklyn Beta. They they are part of the same community. Oh, for sure. And actually, a, a prominent prominent example that happened a while ago, but we talked about it was Jessica Walsh of Sagmeister and Walsh. That was a thing.
1: I hope everybody that is hearing this understands and believes that this is a fucking real issue that everybody that is uh, in an underprivileged sort of group has to face online. Uh, it, there's there's not any there's no avoiding it. The evidence is there uh, to kind of claim that oh the internet's a fair playing field and just ignore the trolls and You know, men get threatened, too. Like, that's all fucking bullshit. Uh, So if you don't believe that, then just stop listening now, because we're not going to address that anymore. Um, And and something Kathy said, which I think is really eye-opening for me, is that she felt that the reason she was the target of this stuff, more than anything else, was that uh, her work became prominent enough that other people believed what what she was saying was true and were following her work and, you know, kind of uh, justifying her. Uh so she describes the something called the Kool-Aid point in her in her post where she says that once people are drinking the Kool-Aid that you're selling uh once people are believing you and kind of buying into your your brand your writing that's when you're in trouble that's when you become a target um and right. some of my friends themselves yeah. women have said like every time I see a little my follower count go up on Twitter uh it's a bittersweet like I'm a little bit excited and I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to you know cross some threshold and become you know a target basically which is horrible right like the things that Twitter has done for me, the internet has done for me, are amazing. I've had such an amazing experience. I've grown as a person on this system, and the fact that you know some other people just are, are robbed of that because of how horrific these assholes are is just like the worst thing to think about to me. That some people don't even have the opportunity to, to have these experiences because this world
0: is unsafe for them. So, so the thing I w- so the next step I want to get to is like what what are the things that are being done to stop this. Is it like? I know we talked about Ello uh, two weeks ago because it was a place a designed for people to go and seek some anonymity, um, and that has been a thing you know that we've talked about a long t- for for a while is like uh, anonymity in the internet and designing communities that are based around anonymity. But here's the thing: so, but I don't think that solves the problem because no. that denies someone their humanity. Precisely, um, like you no- don't get to be a person online. Like the only possible way you could function is to completely hide your identity and any sense of who you are so that you can post something and somebody will assume you're a white male. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Anonymous does not solve
0: the problem. That seems to be what anonymous is. Like you are a white man until proven otherwise. So that (laughs) solves the problem.
1: Thus is white male privilege. You are a white man until proven otherwise. Uh, that is the
0: assumption. You watch. go to any Reddit, any subreddit and post something and it will post anything without context, and that is the assumption until you state otherwise.
1: Yeah, and I think you nailed it, Matt. Like, anonymity is not a solution. You're asked to not be yourself. So, yeah, you could everyone can go play a character online if they want, but that's not a solution for, for any these people facing these problems. I think the reason Alan is frustrated is not because these issues are prevalent in the design community, even though they are. Um, I think it's more that we're the people that fucking designed this new world, right? Like, this place that is so conducive to like man children that are just abusive and uh, invictive and throw vitriol at everybody that doesn't fit with their view of the world. This is the the world we've built for ourselves online, right? Like we cause this. Um, And I think in a lot of ways, it's like a petri dish for demonstrating the worst of all of what's already kind of baked into society uh, because you take away all of the the facade of, uh, you know, of real life and being accountable for your actions. And all of a sudden, like, the worst parts uh, of our, like, society are just made all more apparent. Um, so I think Alan's bringing up the point that, like, if there's anybody that's going to fix this or begin to fix this, uh, it should be the best and brightest people in design and the web uh, that are going to have a chance to do something, right?
0: That Mike Montiero video we talked about last week, yeah. you know, despite its its tone and our, our uh, refutation of much of it he made a very good point in that you know somebody designed those facebook controls that outed that young woman to her family that made her life very difficult that's a real thing because facebook's privacy settings didn't just happen they're a decision they're designed to work that way and at the heart of this there's design And hopefully a designer. Sadly, design happens whether there's a designer present or not. But too often it happens in the presence of a designer who either doesn't see the problem or sees it but will not speak up.
2: I don't know. I have a problem thinking that designers and developers are going to be the ones who end up saving the world even though we caused the problems in the first place. Primarily because if you look at the design development community, there is a whole lot of white guys. The the first thing
1: we can do to start to solve these problems, I think, is to stop sitting around our white dude tables trying to figure out how to solve it and instead just put some other people at that table Uh, like anything we can do to advocate for people from these like battered populations being put in positions of decision-making power uh, is the only thing we can do to guarantee that their kind of concerns and needs will be at least understood by the people that are making decisions
2: so there was there was a really good talk at pax Last year, 2013, uh, it was a discussion about writing in a world that is mostly male dominated, um, especially in gaming. Um, and the whole context behind it was that there's a lot of games that when you go to look at the scripts and a lot of the voice acting and everything, it portrays women in a way where they're more feeble. Like they don't have like real character dynamics in a way that a lot of the males do. And it's mostly because a lot of the the writing teams end up being male. And there's kind of the excuse of, like, I don't know how to write outside of my own perspective. And so there was, you know, uh, people with uh, experiments showing that if they had more discussions with uh, people who that they're, they're trying to write for, if it's women, they talk to more to women to understand, like, what the vernacular is, what the tone is, like, how they would react to certain sentences, that th- things became more well-rounded. You know, on top of the idea of maybe just hire people that are outside of the white male demographic.
1: And I I think that whoever is responding to that criticism and saying like, oh, I don't understand that perspective. I think they're right, but not for the reason they think they're right. Like they think they're saying, they think they're saying, I'm not a woman, therefore I couldn't possibly imagine what a woman might want, uh, so I can't write for a woman. But the reality is that they don't understand a non-patriarchal male-centric worldview and couldn't possibly write from that perspective because so many women writers write the most dynamic, interesting, uh, compelling male characters that I've ever read, and they certainly have no more insight on the male psyche than a male writers on the female psyche. It's just that, uh, it's not that they don't understand women, it's that they don't understand a world where women have real thoughts and feelings and are driven by the same things that they as men are.
2: The reason why I have a hard time believing that a lot of us who created the problem could solve it is mostly because we haven't, Gone to the links to make sure that the people who are designers and developers and problem solvers are less of what the three of us are and more what everybody else is. And uh, to think that we could try to skip into somebody's brain and figure out what the correct solution is and just go off of that is bad because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there could be all sorts of features added to websites or protocols added to the internet in general that could improve this, but we don't know what it is because. We don't understand fully what the problem is, how it exists, where it comes from, from outside of like uh, news articles. But so here's my question, Dan, like
1: I, I, I agree with you. And as I said, like I would advocate for anything that puts more women, more people of color in positions of power, because that's the best way to kind of actually get to the core of this issue. But at the same time, like, design, being a designer, is not just designing for yourself all the time. Uh, like, we're asked all the time to put ourselves in the shoes of our users, our customers, who are oftentimes people that are not us, and sort of understand their needs. Why is this any different? Why 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 do we have to kind of throw in the towel and say, we're incapable of making a safe, abuse-free community because we're just not victims of it because we're, you know, the privileged class? Um, I, I believe that we could do that. And, and to say that we are, are unable and kind of give up before we even start um i think it's a little bit defeatist
0: sure i was gonna say i agree with andy in that i'm not saying that we necessarily can solve solve it and save the world but i don't think we've really even tried so <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure i have an answer to that question yeah, I, mean, I don't that, think that's, that's problem number one so i don't think we have an answer to the question but i think we're tasked all the time in trying to design for somebody else yeah much in the same in in the same example that uh you know whether your screenwriter is male or female, she can write for almost any character. It's kind of more understanding your cultural context than it is necessarily exactly who you are in that context. Not that that doesn't play into it, but I think if you have a better understanding of the world you live in, you can try to design for, you know, the different people that live in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I totally agree. And I think I, like, I've been viewing this in kind of the startup mentality of, like, what's the fastest, most efficient way to try to get this thing to work? And obviously, like, if we just hired a well-rounded team across the world for all the things that we're doing, that's probably going to solve it pretty well. Um, the it, It's absolutely reasonable to have the idea that if we did more research, if we did more digging, obviously we could understand the problems a lot better. It's a slower process. And it's it, the, the reason why it frustrates me and the reason I don't like that idea is because a lot of this abuse has been happening already, and it continues to happen – and it's, it's kind of like my gut reaction to just, I want this to stop immediately. How do we just get it to stop?
0: That, I think that's a very fair thing. I do think it's just going to take, one, the, the decision that this is something that we're going to focus on, and then the time to look into it and decide what we're actually trying to solve. Um, but I do, I do think that it's going to be the people that like, run these sites, that design and develop these sites, that are going to solve it, if anyone Um, Because as you know, it's a point that Kathy made in that there are no authorities as much as people want to say, like, well, if it becomes a serious problem, go to the authorities. We're never going to have authorities that have enough time and resources to solve this problem. Um, You're never going to call either your local department and saying I'm being harassed online or there's no I don't I can't imagine a world where there's an effective Internet police that's going to do the job. Nor do I really want that world. Like, I don't think that's going to work. We'll at least never
1: have that with still having an open and free web. You know, yeah, like right, true, you, right. could, you could imagine some kind of like net neutrality, uh, like dystopia where you got to scan your fingerprint every time you sign into a computer and it you know, stores your exact identity with all of your actions and all that kind of shit. Um, but that's, you know, I think giving up a, a lot and,
0: you know, I, I, I actually I, think that's the root of some of the vitriol too. when we're reading articles from people who've been harassed and are calling for some sort of attention to this problem. What we're reading, I think, is what what people are interpreting is like. We have to do away with the dream of the open web, where everything is free and anonymous, and everybody can do whatever they want. I think that actually is a, is part of that's the you know that's is, the a, is a starting point for some of the the trolling, right? Yeah, for sure. So, I, I think it's people feeling like. I mean,
1: I, honestly, like I, I cannot empathize with this at all. Like I, I can't understand what it really feels like to be in the shoes of somebody that is receiving this kind of abuse. I can sympathize with it. I can you know, say that it's terrible and that it shouldn't exist and try and imagine what it's like, but I will never live in that world. It just won't happen. Um, Some people on Twitter have gone as far as to just change their avatar from who they are, a white male, to like a black woman and just see what it's like for a little while. Um, But even that, you know, you're just kind of like dipping your head in. You know, you're not really living with it 24-7 for your entire life. So because these people... These other white males also can't empathize in the same way I can't empathize. Uh, You know, they have these things they hold dear. I think a lot of these people are people that turn to the internet when the world in some way rejected them or wasn't meeting their expectations or wasn't what they wanted it to be. And the internet was this promise of kind of a new reality. Uh, And that new reality for them was great because they're these like weird, aggressive, uh, people sometimes. And because they have this, uh, this level of control over what their experience is like. Um, and because they're able to vent every little, uh, you know, passing thought they have on anybody that gets in the way. Um, so I feel like because of that lack of empathy, like, yes, what you're saying that is totally true. The, the fear that this thing that means so much to these people might be snatched away, that the rules might change is, like, a big part of the, the anger.
2: So, in, in the whole Gamergate, whatever you want to call it, uh, the basic point that people are starting to make is that there's the group of people that have been otherwise rejected from some part of society in real life. And for a lot of people, that uh, that void that they had was filled with gaming and the gaming community uh, because it I mean, it is very social and there is a very tightly knit group of these people who, for some reason, have been rejected. Um, And the idea that somebody come come in like Anita Sarkeesian and say that she represents gaming and that she wants to change it in this way is like a, a direct opposition to what they feel like they feel like they're the representation of the community and that she's not. Therefore, she's just faking it, you know, and, and I feel like that's probably the crispest example that's been around in a while to be able to show that. The issue is a lot bigger than simply like saying that it's a woman problem or if it's a race problem or something like that. It's the fact that there's two opposing sides to an argument that are yelling past each other and not actually communicating and understanding what the problems are on both sides because they refuse to. And obviously with trolls, they're not going to talk about their feelings on the Internet. That's just not part of their thing.
1: But to say there's two opposing sides implies that both sides has a pretty good point that needs to be considered. It's like yeah, there's two opposing sides. to global warming, too. I guess if you count it that way. But you know, one side is I think clearly in the right, and the other side is like reactionary and responding uh, violently to the fact that they might be wrong about something.
0: I, well, I mean, Andy. Like, well, one, I mean, one thing to note is like I don't think you're going to solve the problem by saying that. Like, I think I think you're completely right. I think that you know one side doesn't really have a solid point, and the other, do- like you know, a person like Anita Sarkeesian has a very solid point in that, like, exactly. she should not have to put up with the shit she puts up with. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to change the perception of the gamer who sees himself as a victim despite whatever horrible things he may be doing. Yeah, and um, that's a thing. Exactly. And I think, you, I think if you're going to solve the problem, you have to acknowledge that first. Because he, like, they they feel like they're fighting and clawing and scratching their way back for some sort of survival, like, or or to defend the thing that they love. So you have to acknowledge that first is as wrong as they may be.
1: I don't know. I have a hard time doing that. Like, so the thing is, I I will sit here on this podcast and say that everybody that is harassing these women is a fucking, like, asshole man child that needs to grow the fuck up. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian has never said anything even close to that. She's never been anything but respectful to her audience. If you watch her videos, there's, like, it's just clear, logical... Uh, mm-hmm. like, criticisms of the media with no, like, in, insightful language at all. It's just...
0: And she's very calm about even addressing some of the most horrible things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, and She handles it very, very well. It's which kind is of why amazing. it's amazing. I like, don't, personally, I don't think I would as well m- at all. I would be swearing a lot on the internet.
2: No, no, so, okay, okay, so, but there's a separate point, though, because she is probably the best example of how this thing could actually resolve in a positive manner. Like, she is the one like beacon of hope for me in this whole Gamergate bullshit. A lot of other outlets and a lot of other people writing articles, it's a lot of attacking the other side. And I think that's the issue a lot of times is that uh, plainly put, when you don't want to acknowledge somebody's viewpoint respectfully in the way that Anita does, then all it's going to do is take the opposing side and, and make them even more fueled with anger and want to do even more things. So it's, it's frustrating because the stuff keeps happening, but it would, it would be nice if people, more people took the example of the calm, collect, rational discussion, because I feel like at some point there's got to be a breaking point because, you know, everybody's playing nice. They want to have constructive thought and constructive criticism but, you know, at the same point, to Andy's point, that's not going to happen because the internet is seemingly, you know, fueled by, like, just a bunch of asshole man-children. And, and that's the thing, though, is, like, she isn't even really addressing the
1: other side all that much. Like, she's talking about, I've received these threats, I'm taking these actions, this is True. my reality. And all of her videos are not saying, this group of people over here is wrong. They're saying, I'm observing this objective thing that is outside of any gr- group of people. Uh, as much as they may associate themselves with it, and just very calmly and carefully and thoughtfully deconstructing it.
2: And that's uh, why and she's... Then all
1: she receives is, like, I, I even watched, I forced myself to watch some of, like, the ridiculous Anita is wrong videos, of which there are thousands on YouTube yes. in response to every single one of her videos, where they say, Anita says this over here, but if you clearly look at this other example, this other thing happens, and if you put it in more context, uh, they were only objectifying that woman because she was a whore, so, I mean, come on, uh, these people have, like, the most backwards... Messed up arguments, uh, and they're clearly just attacking her because it's her. I, I, I would love to see what would happen if Anita Sarkeesian had just happened to have been a man. Like, what if a man had wouldn't done the same thing that she did? I'd be so curious to know what the response is because I'm sitting here on this podcast saying all this shit to these people that have threatened people. No one's gonna threaten me. No one's gonna come to my house and threaten to like kill me. It's not gonna happen. Like, I have no fear. If I was Brianna Wu, that that's what that's what happened to her. It, she's on a podcast on this network. Uh, it's just like this crazy, uh, like separation. I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. If, if It's huge, huge issue. I think we really need to fix.
2: Yeah, well, and there's also a culture. I I don't even know how this started, where there became a great idea to do a lot of outlandish threats that most people have. Like most most instances have been empty threats, and that to control the internet or portions of the internet or portions of culture by fear, uh, seems to be able to be the way to keep everybody
0: in line, you know, huge air quotes on that one. Uh, so- well, the thing that's funny is like the energy that it has been like the creative solutions. Yeah. If you want to talk about creative solutions, to this problem, like, can you, can you imagine a more creative solution than like swatting someone? Exactly. Like, wow. What a, what a lot of energy you put into a really creative solution to destroy someone's life. Essentially. Yeah. That's a really kind of genius idea for social engineering. It's a horrible idea, and it's a terrible thing to do to somebody, but it's very effective. If you could turn that energy towards some sort of actual solution to a problem, as opposed to the problem being, this guy's bothering me, he's got to go.
1: And and that's what I want to talk about. Like, uh, I think that this has been a, a at least an interesting conversation to have. I hope people that haven't thought about this before are thinking about it now, that are listening. But I really want to like just kind of brainstorm with you guys about like what the hell we actually could do with our online systems to right. to make this thing problem better. I mean, we're not going to come up with a solution here, obviously. But I mean, let's just really talk about no, ideas. No, no. But I
0: mean, I think that's the that's the result of the conversation. I hope is like it's not really that much fun. You know, it's it's just a, uh, a discussion of misery uh, unless we can, we're going to talk about some sort of way to fix it, right?
1: Yeah. So so here's I've been thinking about it a lot, and I only have one possible idea. I'm curious to run it by you all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know like what tools and like uh, social. uh, I don't know what tools need to be built into social networks yet to make them safe. I mean, like blocking seems like and reporting seems like a rudimentary one. If you actually respond to it, like a pretty base level thing, but that is not going to solve the problem. It's only going to help to actually eliminate it once it's happened. But it's going to happen continuously. The one thing I thought of is like if we were to create a system. Uh, like a metric for measuring how safe different online communities are uh, based on whatever those parameters happen to be like it's safe because of x the response rate to reports of harassment is this the acceptance of hate speech on the system is this um, and sort of just went through and rated every huge social network or every forum or you know place where people kind of gather and talk about things and gave them like a grade and very clearly explained what the reasons were for that grade. Um, I, I think it's an interesting way to start kind of talking about things because you're you're putting a name to it, you're measuring it in some way, right? Um, I think it's a way to start uh being very concrete about what makes a safer network and a less safe network. Um, I was very interested in the fact that uh Kathy talked about at the end of her letter, um, a forum she was on. It was a JavaScript forum. i forget the name off the top of my head that uh she said had millions of people on it and was very very safe and there was no heat speech. And it wasn't, wasn't tolerated at all. And it had a, a very simple terms of service. that just said, be nice. And it was upheld uh, vigorously by the people that were running the site. And it worked very well. Um, so I'm curious to know where the safe havens are and what they're doing. Uh, and I wonder if just the sheer fact of like pointing out very publicly, like here's Twitter's like, terrible negligent response to reports of abusive behavior uh, would cause more people to be upset about it. it, would cause Twitter to actually be ashamed of it. I wonder if that would be a good
2: first step. The frustrating thing about it is that, like, there's clear examples of showing something that's unsafe, a la 4chan. Uh, If you look at Twitter, there's so many instances where it is a positive community, but then there's the pockets of what we're talking about. Which ends up being a little bit muddy because you can say, oh, overall, it's actually a very safe community unless you're conditionally one of these kinds of people or one of these people. Unless you're half of the people alive, women specifically. Sure. (laughs) Um yeah, I mean, like, you'd have to get a little bit deeper than maybe just giving it, like, a 0 to 100. Um, but I do like the idea that you brought up of being able to have, like, an honest page that kind of lists all of the kinds the of reports and then what, like, their condition, whether or not they're resolved or, like, uh, what was done for them. I actually think that could be very interesting.
1: My my inspiration for this was um, a website called uh, Terms of Service Didn't Read. It's TOSDR.org. And it's uh, just a website that reads these enormous legal documents that uh, all of these you know websites make you agree to to sign up for them, and gives them a rating on all the different uh, you know facets of how much your data is yours versus theirs, and you know whether you can delete your account, and uh, whether they share your personal information with advertisers, and just like names, all these things. Uh, I don't know if this is effective. I don't know if people actually check this before they sign up for something. I usually don't, if I'm totally honest, um, but. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that somebody has recognized that, like, the terms of service situation is broken. People just sign up and never read them. So here we're going to summarize the things that are actually important for you that you might care about and show it to you in a very clear way against their competitors. And showing the competitors is another thing. Like, if there was – if we did find that safe systems have these things in place and unsafe systems don't, uh, there's very clear kind of connections between certain tools that make something safer – that was the case and someone were to say like hey i'm this is the safer twitter it's exactly the same it's still advertising based it's not app.net it's not lo it's just twitter but it's safer uh, because we've implemented these things if that pressure of potential competition would drive these big companies to actually give a shit because ultimately like part of the reason they don't give a shit is because of institutionalized racism and sexism for sure and part of the reason is that all these things we're describing aren't going to affect their bottom line much i would bet uh like sure if you know, en masse women left Twitter, that would be a huge problem for them. But the reality is, I think these problems are most acute among the, the kind of celebrities and the people that have some kind of following. Uh, and so that's already an enormously small fraction of the actual users of the website. And if they leave, it's probably not going to be a huge effect on their actual business.
0: So I guess the the question is, like, would the effect be... Okay, so let, let's just say hypothetically this is successful, because I think it is a really interesting idea. Would the effect be that you're reporting on the behavior, thus telling people where to go to have a safer environment, and you are siloing the bad behavior, or you're communicating to people that this behavior doesn't stand, you need to stop, and you're actually stopping the bad behavior? Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, I'm just wondering if you're just like putting people in safe little silos and you haven't really solved the problem. You're just making these little... You're making these places um, that aren't an actual representation of the internet. Yeah, because... Um, it, the- and is the, and does, that, does that feel all that great? Is that a, a place you want to have to be stuck?
1: So, I don't think that... I, I love the free web. I don't think we have to give that up to solve and this I problem. And I do too. And I and, like.
0: I'm kind of unwilling to budge on that point. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we have to give it up to solve this problem. I think that you know the four chans of the world are going to exist, and that's part of life. You know, the Ku Klux Klan is still in existence. They're not going to go away anytime soon. Um, so, like, the horrific parts of every system are going to be there. The, the problem, really, I see now, is the lack of a safe alternative. Like, it's not like. You can choose not to be part of the thing. Like, there is no real safe, you know, network like this. I think Facebook is to some degree because of their kind of privacy controls. But it's a totally different system. There's no reason that any new social tool shouldn't be safe. Uh, so, I think part of what I'm responding to, Matt, is like, we build websites. Like, that is directly, I am a, a huge, that's a big part of my job is designing websites for ourselves and for others that um, don't usually have this kind of social interaction. But I don't know, as a person that designs websites and has done so professionally for for many years. What makes a place safe? Like, there's no conversation around that. There's no clear, like, here's what you have to do to make this work, at least that I found. So I think a huge part of it is just having a central place for this conversation around what a website that is safe for women and people of color looks like and what those systems kind of, how they're structured. And having that sort of central place and be able to, like, modify that, um, then becomes, if it's something that becomes respected and sort of looked to, it can become a real blemish on a big company if they basically get a rating that says, like, Hey, if you're a woman, don't use Twitter. Uh, it's pretty fucked up. You're not going to be safe at all. Um, yeah. So I, I don't. I don't think we have the ability to police it in the way that you're kind of describing, Matt. Where it's like, well, we're going to force everyone to be good now that we no, have this and sort I, of metric. I, and I don't think
0: you can. I just bring it up as as a question of what's actually happening. But exactly. I think. But I mean, to be honest, anytime we've ever talked about social design, like I feel like the the uh, the examples we're always given tend to be some sort of awareness campaign. Um, there are certainly other examples, but just. I, the ones I can I can recall via history books are always social awareness campaigns. Yeah. Um, and this is effectively that. Like, if this site becomes popular enough, it is a social awareness campaign for the idea of a safer internet. So I can see that being effective, but we also criticize the idea of the social awareness campaign because it's not actually solving a problem. Like, it's the joke of, like, doing the don't smoke poster and, like, how much is that actually doing? Um, this is getting a,
2: a bit more technical, but, like, if... if... Any of us were to go and create a site where somebody basically build a system so there could be content creation like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, whatever. And that, uh, uh, to create it in a way that it would be a little bit more proactive in trying to find things that were trollish or, or bad or offensive that like, you know, like an instance of when somebody goes to post something, just have it run through an automated process to try to look for things that could potentially be dangerous or offensive and that it would flag it in a way that wouldn't like automatically block it, but would help the system kind of learn and understand um, where these trends are happening, how they're happening in a way that like, if somebody does go to say like they want to report abuse, then they could start to make better correlations on like when this happens, how it happens. And maybe through that, be able to just get a better understanding of how this, you know, how it occurs.
1: So something else I was I have rolled around in my head a lot that I think is a bad idea and won't work, but I'll voice here so we can talk about why, okay. um, is if you could imagine a hypothetical system, I don't know what it would look like technically, where you have kind of like a, think about like OAuth or, or, or Gravatar, some kind of like a third-party library that can be accessed by websites that want to sort of integrate it. Um, and this library basically um, associates... <clears throat> accounts across services um one of the problems that people have talked about is like you know twitter if you're being abused by somebody you report them you block them they create 10 new accounts and continue abusing you and there's like no way to say like this identity this person here that i have blocked i want them to be blocked on everything i don't want to deal with this human being or anything they're responsible for ever again Um, if you could have a system that was like centralized and uh anonymously just associated like you had to kind of give some key for your real identity wouldn't have to be your name or social security number but something that was tied to you and only you uh, in order to create an account on any system that relied on this library uh then we could basically say that you have to provide your this is one and only unique key to create an account and as soon as you get blocked by somebody any other account created with that unique key is going to also be blocked by that person and you kind of have this layer of like actual accountability because <clears throat> I've removed a little bit of the, not the anonymity, but the ability to kind of recreate yourself over and over again and be reborn as many times as you want by just making as many new accounts with, uh you know, as many email addresses as you have access
2: to. Yeah, I um, mean, that that would actually slow down the whole process of making sock puppets online. That I think that could help, you know, so long as it's in a case where uh you can't
0: go and just create a new, like, unique ID in the system relatively quickly. But, so is this like a... I'm. I think you led into this saying it's a bad idea for maybe the reason I'm about to bring up. Um, is this something that, that like the government has to enforce? Well, like, that, well, how how are yeah. people? There you go,
1: Matt. You found what I think is the big problem this? with it. The big problem with it the is the people who? who
0: don't want to use it are the people who are causing the most problems. That's the yeah. Problem. I mean, I see
1: two big problems with it. First big problem is who who does it? Who are we giving these keys to? Uh, because obviously, it's going to be like if if this was something that actually every site had to rely upon, it would be. extremely valuable and uh very dangerous data source because it'd be the only place where you'd be able to actually associate identities with people and you know find personally identifiable information the other big problem is security like that thing gets hacked and it's all over now you know all of your accounts and all of your various systems which that anonymity is also great sometimes for people that are persecuted to some degree because they can go participate in some system uh without assuming their actual identity which It's not something they should be expected to do, but if they want to do it, I appreciate that the open web allows them to do that if they want. Uh, So I I remember when when Google Wave came out, uh, there was a big issue because they started surfacing things people liked in Google Reader uh, publicly, uh, and there was a couple stories of people who had, like, gotten, uh, you know, had been in abusive relationships and, like, left their abusive partner... And gotten a restraining order against them and kind of been, you know, moved by the witness witness relocation program to somewhere where they were safe uh, from a a violent person that wanted to do them harm. And uh, they'd also blocked them on all of their various, you know, web services. And then all of a sudden, Google introduces this new thing and absentmindedly kind of services these public likes associated with this account in a way it's not blocked. And these people are now getting kind of hunted down again. Um, So, like, the security of this thing would be, like, the most important security of anything online, probably. Uh so it's a you're setting up a very big straw man to fail there if you if yeah. you build that, that service. But uh if that could somehow be decentralized, like Bitcoin style, uh I don't know, some of the assholes that build Bitcoin should probably spend some time figuring out how to make that work. Uh they're smarter <laughs> than me.
0: It just seems like something that would have to you'd have to force people to use it or you'd have to there'd have to be some sort of requirement that people are using it. Yeah. Well that would um, be it like, probably would work better if it's a system that is like detecting the similarities between a- anonymous accounts. Yeah. Um, which does become a very scary kind of, like, spying... Well, uh, that's actually a great point, ...software, Matt, because that, that's already that's happening. That's what though. you're trying to do,
1: right? Like, right? Advertisers do that shit all the time to a scary degree of accuracy. Sure. Yep. Um, so maybe you have a good point. Maybe the technology we're currently using to figure out what advertisement someone walked by on their phone with their GPS enabled that we can then show them when they sign into their computer you know, three blocks away when they finally open their computer at work... Like, that shit totally happens. Like, maybe that same technology could be reappropriated and used to say, hey, you're, we know you're one person because we've figured out by this weird, uh, the shadows on the wall and the trails of breadcrumbs that uh, this is your identity. And once you've been blocked,
0: you've been blocked. I mean, you want to talk about, like, the the ideal web. Like, you know, you get the message on whatever social network. And then the, the spot currently uh, reserved for contextual ads now reads... This person is also this person, this person, and this person who have previously harassed you yeah. for, yeah. for your information. <laughs> That's
2: actually kind of interesting. Maybe
0: having it, like... It's kind of the same idea, just <laughs> for a positive outcome. Remember a long time ago, we talked about buying ads and putting up social awareness messages. It's the same idea, just in an online form. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's terrifying, but also super interesting. Just the idea of like a, like a shared cookie. Like a bunch of major websites agreed to have like this sh- shared like cash thing. Um, that they go to check every time that somebody goes to the site and if one flags for abuse, then the other one will be able to know it and then like appropriately react to it.
1: There are also some grassroots things on Twitter that I wish would become institutionalized things on Twitter. Um, For example, there's a group of people that have made a shared block list. Uh, I believe it's mostly women that are abused online and they have a... Anytime they block somebody, they're like, well, this person that's just threatened to kill me is probably not doing anything to help any other women on the internet. I'll just add them to this shared list and then people have this like central place they can go to find and like quick block the accounts. At least, I think it's a Twitter list you can kind of just scroll down and block them all if you're doing it. But you still have to manually do that. Why not just have an ability for, you know, if you're Twitter, make an ability to say like if this person gets blocked by 3% of the people that this person follows, let's assume that uh they don't want that content to be seen. Uh they're already fucking with the feed in all sorts of ways. Uh, you know they're moving shit around. They're putting ads. I know into you're it.
0: favoriting all the time now, Andy. All of a sudden, who and you see
1: you see all the puppies. I guess. Um, but like they're already fucking with our feed. Why not fuck with our feed in a way that might actually reduce the amount of abuse before it gets to people? Like block people before they have a chance to dole out this horrible shit. Um, I mean, I'm sure that we could pick apart all these ideas, but like, why have none of these even been talked about or tried to be implemented? I see so much stupider shit put on websites than the stuff we're talking about right now given the flaws that we're kind of accepting about what we're describing. But, yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I, think mean, that's, I, I think that's the kind of the point I'd like to get to is like, let's try some of these things and pick them apart. I think a lot of them will fail. I think a lot of them are bad ideas that aren't going to work. But nobody's trying them. Nobody's even given it a shot yet. And or listeners, if you have examples of people who are trying them and we're just ignorant to the fact that I would, I would love to know more about it.
1: I saw something somebody wrote, I'm not going to be able to cite it appropriately, I'm sorry whoever wrote this. Um, They were saying that, you know, in very recent history, spam seemed like this kind of problem that was impossible to beat, you know? You had spam coming from every different angle, you couldn't possibly predict the email addresses or the patterns it was coming from, and it was a problem on every kind of network, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, And spam has been completely eliminated, pretty much, right? Like, I never get any spam in Gmail anymore, never, maybe like once every three months something will get through randomly. Um, i am getting get spam on Twitter. Maybe once a month I get a spam tweet. Uh, like that's a problem that everyone kind of collectively decided like, this is a bad thing. We should fix it. I have a hard time believing that that energy pointed towards this issue wouldn't see similar results. Uh, if that was something that people decided to give a shit about.
2: Uh, yeah, I so, mean, it's not a one-to-one ratio because a lot of the stuff that's done in spam is done programmatically, so there ends up being something that could be processed through a neural, neural network to be able to understand what the patterns are, where I, it might be a little bit more tricky because trolls end up doing things manually. So I wonder if there's any sort of diversity in what they're saying there that could just add complexity to that idea. But at the same time, like, that's a good baseline, and they could just refine it for people who are actually doing this in real life. Um, I'm not even saying taking the same thing we use to beat spam and using that same technology
1: to beat these people. Just, like, that took a lot of shared effort across many different companies. Yeah, sure. Many talented people, lots of hours, I'm sure, were spent solving that problem. I don't see that effort trying to
0: solve this problem. I don't see it anywhere. And but, the other takeaway from that is that it's not a perfect solution, but it's a thing that's much better than before. Yeah, it's well, totally You good get enough, the occasional right? thing in your spam yeah. folder, and that's a thing we're all used to. Oh, check your spam folder and yeah, we well go no, into also, the depths of the horrible horrible place that is spam folder and we find the one out of a million things that gets oh caught. my god
1: yeah. it'd be so great to have an abuse folder in the future where if you wanted to you could dip in and make sure if something didn't get accidentally flagged as abuse but gets automatically pushed off because the best thing about that is that would totally de-incentivize people like spam has not just gone down because we've gotten better at filtering it's gone down because because everyone's better at filtering it there's no longer the reward to doing it yeah uh and if all the abuse was automatically filtered off and labeled and tagged and didn't didn't ever make it to your intended victim uh, that would be amazing because it would de incentivize people to do this because they know they're yelling into an empty void
0: yeah well, okay, well that's what i 'm okay. interested in is changing. if you can come up with a solution that changes the behavior that's the one you're looking for, not just one that's kind of silos it and I think you're right I think it is it is detracted or it is uh reduced people sending spam because it is a wasted effort and I think if the goal of of abusers is to get a reaction then are eliminating that goal. Yeah. I,
1: I guess. We're, I guess we're putting on our Montiero hats and just saying, like, give a shit about this. People, like, for fuck's sake, don't work <laughs> for people that are building things that are oblivious to this problem. And I, I don't know, like, just be aware that it's like one of the biggest problems. I think the biggest problem right now is so many people are still unaccepting that this is actually an issue. Yes. I just think if everyone would agree this is a problem, the conversations would be much more productive, yeah. and maybe people will consider having a conversation at. Uh, Brooklyn Beta about how to stop online abuse. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: I, I have I, to say, like, I'm definitely not going to shift my focus to only this, but I'm, I'm very interested in the idea of working on this at some point in life, at giving it some effort and trying. And something else is, I have been very hesitant to talk about this in the show because,
1: hello, we're three white dudes talking on a podcast about this problem that doesn't really affect us at all. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being a, like self conscious and worried about talking about issues like this because I'm afraid that my privilege and whatever are gonna like make me say something stupid Uh, like this is an issue that all of us are facing the fact that there is that smart intelligent women that I want to read their thoughts are not posting their thoughts online because of this is affecting me directly Um, so I'm done with that I'm I'm not gonna like be concerned about expressing my opinion on these issues anymore because it's not helping anybody and if anything it's just being complicit in the problem by ignoring it essentially and agreeing not to talk about it so I'm done I'm fucking pissed off We need the nuclear fusion of abusive women online. Come on, skunkworks at Lockheed Martin. Invent it.
0: We I Dan. If you want to skirt the happy ending, I'm fine with that. We have an hour and six. You have anything great? Unless Andy does. Andy, what do you want to do? Go ahead, Andy. I I don't. uh, I mean,
1: my happy ending is that nuclear fusion might solve all of our All of our energy issues, which will free up lots of minds to focus on all these fucking social issues.
2: Man, so, okay, I have a couple of things, but I'll be super honest, like, I am not in a super happy mood right now,
0: and I don't know if I can even sound happy. That's okay. Then let's not do it. Okay. We we always said, we're not going to do it if it's fake. Man, okay, so, uh, straight up, real talk. Yeah, yeah, what's up? I get
2: really frustrated. I get really angry, and I get really bummed out, because, uh... Going back to the whole gamer thing, it frustrates me a lot because I I see my wife, who is also a gamer, happens to be a woman, and the idea popped in her head that she wanted to be able to stream her gameplay just like the way that I want to, and that she doesn't want to do that now because she's terrified that if she does, she's going to get the same doxing and the swatting and all the other terrible things entirely because she's a woman. I think that's awful. So It's terrible.
1: Yeah, I get emotional as fuck about this issue. I, I mean, I know this doesn't help, but I have a more than one occasion when a friend of mine on Twitter is harassed by some dickhead, just been like, you're fucked hard, and all caps him on Twitter. I know it's not helping. I know it's not solving the problem. I know that guy's not going, well, this guy called me a fucker.
2: Maybe I better reevaluate my actions. Yeah. But it
1: makes me feel a little better, because I don't know what else to
2: do. I'm just so mad. Yeah. So, no, it just, it frustrates me, because, like, Angie is probably one of the most talented, amazing, smart people in the world. And it's not that's not biased because we're married. She is honestly just an incredible person. And the fact that she gets tamped down by some shit stain in the middle of nowhere America because he has a backwards opinion on something that went out of style 50 years ago is really fucking frustrating. Because, it, like, the internet should not have to be like that. She should not have to hide away from Doing things that she wants to do entirely because of some fucking asshole who's making sock sock puppet accounts at his shit job in the middle of nowhere. Done. That's the
1: thing is, I I want my internet to be open to everybody because my internet is amazing. Yeah. I love it. It's been such a huge impact on me and everyone should have that opportunity. Oh, I need to take a nice long shower.
0: This has been on the grid episode eighty six. You can email the show, mail it onthegrid.co. You can find us at our new home at five x five tv slash on the grid. You can always submit a link for us to talk about at onthegrid.reddit.com. We're also on Twitter. You can tweet to us using hashtag on the grid or find us individually at madamc at andymangolden at dan hour. You enjoy the show, please review us on iTunes. Thanks to Crimson Morn for the innerwood music, girlfriends for the theme music, and you for listening. Until next week.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm recording now. I'm recording. Also recording my audio. Always singing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, I we wait. Didn't... We have to. I didn't. I didn't clap.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've already done this eighty-five times. Yeah. You said it so quickly. The Whoa. progress would be more straightforward. You get attacked by your cat again.
0: <laughs> he fell off the back of my desk. Two paws. Grab the oh, edge. He's drunk. Sorry. To, sorry to distract. Drunk you. on cat. No. That, <laughs> that is, is not getting edited. At all. <clears throat> I know it is. I wish to put it at the end. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs>